Get yourself a cup of coffee and pull up a chair. We're going to be talking to designers and developers about how they got started, what keeps them passionate, and what challenges them. It's the best remedy for imposter syndrome. This is Build Process. Good evening. This is Aaron coming to you on Build Process for Drunken UX. I'm here today with Sean Marcia down in the uh, DC area. And we're here to talk a little bit about uh, Ruby for Good and some other things that he's been working on. And um, be sure to check us out on twitter.com slash drunkenux and facebook.com slash drunkenux. And also come sign up on Slack at drunkenux.com slash Slack. So Sean, how are you doing tonight? Wonderful. Better, better now that I'm uh, here with you and have a beer in my hand. <laughs> what kind of beer are you drinking? I'm drinking a dark German wheat beer. That's what I'm drinking too, right? Same thing? Yes. So mine has the poison in it though, right? Right. right yeah. yeah. Right. Wow. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've built up a resistance to Iocane powder, I'll have you know. <laughs> I, I was just about to make a Princess Bread reference. <laughs> and this, this beer is coming out of your kegerator. It is. It is. Yeah. There's only th only three taps active right now, but there's five taps uh, <laughs> usually. Uh, so uh, tell me a little bit about what you do. Like, who is Mr. Sean, and what do you? Um, I mean, I know you're a developer. I know a lot about you, but our audience doesn't. Yeah. So so by day, I'm a, I'm a software developer. I'm trying to work to make government uh, a little bit better, a little bit more sane. Um, and in these kind of times, that's uh, a tall order. Um, uh, my 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 evening job or my fun job is uh, uh, working on open source, and I do a lot of uh, running the Ruby for Good, Code mm -hmm. for Good, that kind of stuff. Building building software for nonprofits and civic good organizations. So I mentioned Ruby for Good on this program before. Um, Sean is one of the founders. Or are you the founder or the co-founder? Uh, the founder. Founder. Okay. So can you tell our audience a little bit about Ruby for Good and how that came about? Uh, sure. Um, honestly, I think a little bit of it came about because of, I would say, guilt. Like, <laughs> you know, like we, as, as software developers, we have it pretty good. Like, mm -hmm. um, like, I'm not even on LinkedIn and I get contacted, you know, multiple times a week, people offering me jobs. And it's on like, LinkedIn, like someone. No, no, like, like, oh, like okay. just, just people contact me, you know, via email or through Meetup and uh, like people offering me jobs and it's. You know, I had a friend staying with me, you know, a couple of years ago and he had just finished grad school and he's looking for a job and I just saw how hard he, he struggled and, you know, he ended up taking a job like for, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollars a year and he was really happy and, and and then I you know, then I see me and there's people offering me six figure jobs every week and mm -hmm. it's it's kinda of humbling and <laughs> first world and, problems. <laughs> well, you know, well really it is. And you know, and you hear developers who are complaining about, you know, like recruiters contacting them and I, I, I don't know, I just feel like it's such a such a strange thing to complain about someone trying to <laughs> trying to offer you a job. Like why why would you uh, Shut up and take my money. <laughs> well yeah, like it's like, and so we have it we have it really good as developers and mm -hmm. just uh I don't know. I guess it's kind of like my way of giving back because like not everyone has it so good, and you know, like the the whole I don't know if you was in the Economist where they're saying over half the over half the population in the U.S. if they uh, uh, like something happened, you know, their water oh, right. heater broke down or their car yeah. broke down, and like because the average uh, like one of those the bills to one of those things is two thousand dollars, and and over half the country couldn't come up with that, that amount of money, and like yeah. and like where it's a life changing thing where 
you know, they, they would, you know, then lose their job because they can't get to work or they, you know, right. they're water heaters. They can't, you know, like sometimes we forget how good we have it as, as software developers and our industry. So. so can you tell our audience a little bit about what Ruby for Good is? And like I, I was at the first the first year and um, but I think it was you had a, a bees project, didn't you? Yes. Yes. So, like, how did you come to like from going from that kind of place how did you get to um like deciding on the first ruby for good well so like so the b the b project was something separate it was was more uh like just something i'd, I'd happened into i was i worked at, a, at the time i was working at a university i was wandering across campus one day and um I, this professor was giving a talk on, you know, Amazonian stingerless honeybees, and I was kind of fascinated. Mm-hmm. And really, I was there because he was giving free honey samples. And, <laughs> you know, we're, we're developers. We oh, like I free swag. Sean is actually a bear, like a literally, <laughs> like he is a bear with claws and everything. Yeah. But, and, you know, so I, you know, I, I stuck around for the, the, the talk. And then, you know, then, you know, during the talk, he talked all about colony collapse disorder. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's something you hear about, but until, like, someone talks about it, you don't really realize how crazy and serious it is and so I, after the talk i started talking to this professor and asked him how i could help out and he's like hey i well, i'm trying to figure out a way to monitor uh monitor beehives and i'm like well i can try and figure that out i'm you know i don't know anything about it but uh, uh <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to you know work on something and so i came up with a solution for him and, and built him um you know used raspberry pies and stuff to monitor beehives mm-hmm. and you know kind of from there it uh you know it feels good helping people and, and, you know, kind of from there, it was, uh, I guess it kind of snowballed that, you know, like, hey, uh, you know, telling people, you know, what I was doing and, and like what I was involved in and other people like, well, like, hey, how do I get involved in that? Like, I want to help, mm-hmm. I want to help people doing this good work. And I, I think that was kind of the, like, also like part of the, the genesis of it that like, um, you know, even like, as you remember, like the very first year at Ruby for Good, we, uh. We weren't really sure if people would would be interested in this, and like, yeah. if, and so like one well, of the there, there were talks that year, right, right, yeah. and like, well, that that was that was part of it. It's like we, yeah. you know, it's like oh, okay, well, like, what if people don't want to come? So like, so we, you know, we got someone from like the RSpec core team out, which yeah, was like Aaron Cromer, right, right yeah. yeah, and we had someone like who's like was like on the Angular team, and we had all these mm-hmm. like these experts come and giving talks because like okay, well, people won't want to come unless they can come learn, like like no yeah. one's going to want to come and do good. Like yeah. just for the sake of doing good and but but obviously like we were, we were wrong like no one ended up really caring like they, they enjoyed the talks they were <laughs> wonderful and like Aaron and everyone else did a phenomenal job mm-hmm. but but really like people just wanted you know to come and do good mm-hmm. um, and you know I remember being like like I wanted to see the talks but I remember also having like man like I want to see the talk but I really want to keep working on this project yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was let's see that was what, five this is the fifth year. Yeah, this is this is year five. And the, oh, I, I guess I should add that the con- Ruby for Good, the fifth year, is this week. Um, although by the time you hear this, it will probably be a few weeks ago. Uh, this is the first week of June, um, and so the conference is it begins on Thursday and runs through Sunday, uh, and the main part of the the main thrust of the work is done on Friday and Saturday, and it's just it's a whole lot of fun, and it's not a hackathon. Can you? Just really quickly, just explain to give your pitch about why it's not a hackathon. Yeah, I know. I, I hate hackathons. I, I just despise them. You uh, you go to these things. They're a weekend long. 
you don't sleep, you don't, and you do all this work, and then at the end of the weekend, you just you throw all the work you did away. Mm. And, and you know, like, and obviously, you know how we're different. We we know what we're working on. We know months ahead of time, and and what the projects are going to be. And so, right. So we're not a hackathon, and and also like a hackathon, like where they burn you out. We have a hard stop every day. We mm-hmm. make all the teams stop at five. Yeah, and then it's true. And then in the <laughs> evenings we have fun. We we sing karaoke. We play yeah. werewolf. We play secret Hitler board games card games, video games. <laughs> it's, it's all a lot of fun. Lots of um, adult beverage drinking and snacks and just great food. And um, actually, the, the past two, three years, three years at the CBI? Two years. Two years, yeah. Past two years, we were at the Smithsonian Conservatory and we would get to go on tours and see all the animals. And the one year was, um, there was a lot of red pandas. And then last year was the Scimitar Oryx. Scimitar Oryx. Yeah. yeah. Cheetahs. So, how did you get started with this? Like, I mean, I mean, I guess with this, both with conference organization, but also like the bigger picture, like with development, and like what sorts of ways have you been able to turn the conference into a way to kind of help other people get into development? No, that's yeah, that's a great question. Uh, so, you know, kind of um, like it's funny. I remember a few years ago, I was at an event. And like I'd been a developer for a couple of years and they had me like, you know, they like kind of as a success story. And so they were questioning me and, and like one of the questions they asked me was like, uh, like, how has your life changed since you became a developer? Mm-hmm. And, you know, my, like kind of my, my answer, maybe it was a little glib. I said, well, now I shop at Whole Foods. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, like, in, like, well, like that's, that's true. And like, there's the, uh, uh, like, like there, there's kind of like a deeper part to that too, is like, I, you know, I'd finished school and. In grad school, you know, you kind of think how you're doing, you're doing things correctly. You know, you go to go school, then you go to grad school, you think you're going to get a job. Mm-hmm. But like, like this was shortly after, you know, the financial crisis. And mm-hmm. so, you know, like I had, I'd found myself like, you know, like through, I feel like no fault of my own, you know, did school, grad school and, and like found myself like, you know, we were living in like low income housing and then, mm-hmm. you know, filed our taxes and it's like, you know, you fill your taxes out and like using TurboTax or something. It's like, you know, click thing it's like oh you qualify for food stamps and it's like it's, it's like you know like, kind of like how did i get here you know? right. and um and um and I, I don't know like as you know like and again like maybe this goes back to like the other stuff thing i was talking about but like you know like like there's a lot of people and like they're they're trying really hard and they're they're working really hard and uh uh you know and i feel for, like for for no fault of their own you know like they uh you know they're in the circumstances they're in and you know there's all these like amazing places out there that you know like, like the diaper bank that you help with that are mm-hmm. helping these people and the, the you know these other organizations that help people get housing and like we've helped so many amazing organizations and you know like we we have these skills like these like as developers like i feel like the things we can do are just like amazing and like, especially like you know when we talk to these nonprofits who are doing such good work and you see like their process where you know like they're it's manual or you know, like if I can tell you the story about quickly, uh, sure, where I, you know, I went into the one place and I'm in their office and I'm, I'm sitting with them and I don't even remember we were originally going to build them, but like the whole time I'm in there, um, like they had this phone that was ringing and would ring and ring and ring. And like this phone rang all day long while I was in there. And like, finally I just asked like, Hey, why doesn't anyone answer that phone? And, and like, and she's like, Oh no, like, you, like that, that phone is for our, uh, you know, for our, our, our work orders. 
And like what it turned out it was is like people would be calling in to like listen to messages mm -hmm. and then, you know, and like sometimes they'd have to like fast forward through like dozens of messages to find the one they wanted and they weren't allowed to delete a message till the job was done. Oh, wow. And like, and this, this was their process and they had internalized it. Huh. And like, and it was literally like that bad. And like, and like they would, they were wasting like hours every day, like just listening to these messages and stuff. And I don't even know why the phone was plugged in. It didn't even need to be plugged in, but, <laughs> but like, like they have these things and like it's internalized and, and like, and like this is this organization that are like, they're, it's helping like veterans and like, and people like mental disabilities and people like getting houses housing and like and like we were going to build them like like some volunteer sign-in sheet or something but mm -hmm. then like you see you see that and um the, the real need was elsewhere <laughs> well right but you know yeah. again because like, like they'd internalized it and they just didn't realize like how bad off they were because <laughs> and but right and so like we, and we built them like basically a simple cred app that you know like anyone who'd who'd been doing like what we do for like a couple months could have built this but, yeah but like I still like probably every three months I get an email from them saying like how much has this changed their life and how much this helps them. Yeah, awesome. and like, like that's just amazing. Like that we can we can do that and like and I don't know. Like I I'm not a super good developer and yeah. like, like you or, or like some of the, some of the other <laughs> people who come. Uh, and so like, I don't know. I just feel it's. it's, it's yeah. I, I work amongst brilliant people. I just reflect them. <laughs> Of a shiny huh. exterior. Huh. <laughs> I wish I could reflect them. <laughs> <laughs> so what, like, what is something, so like something that um, Michael and I have talked about a, a lot on the, the main podcast thread is uh, like the, the idea of like imposter syndrome and like kind of always feeling like everyone else is in the room is smarter than you are or better at it being a developer. Like what's something that, like you're clearly an accomplished developer. What's something that you still struggle with or I did struggle with? Oh God, I, yeah. I struggle all the time, I feel. Um, I, you know, and I, I realize like as juniors and like now too, like the market's really difficult for juniors. And mm. like, like I remember I got my first development job and I was doing um, contracting and working, it was like 60, 70 hours a week. And because it's my first job, then I would go home and, you know, cause I didn't want to be the weak link. I didn't want to be the mm -hmm. uh, like the crappy person on the team. So then I was like, come home and do an extra 20, 30 hours a week of work. <laughs> and, and I, you know, I didn't know when I was sleeping, but. Like eventually, it got to the point where I just had to, uh, you know, just accept what I know and what I don't know. And um, but yeah, no, I imposter syndrome is yeah. yeah, it's tough. Like we all. So like with with Ruby for Good, one of the things I really like is um, it's not just about helping nonprofits; it's also about mentorship. Right. You know, like there's always every year that I've gone, I always come away. There's something, or usually many things that I've learned new ways to do things or just new paradigms or, or approaches or whatever. Can you speak a little bit about the, the mentorship aspect of the conference? Oh no, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and like, and you know, just to give the plug too, like we do have a, a three-part mission with Ruby mm -hmm. for Good. And obviously like the first part is helping the nonprofits and like these good organizations. The second is, you know, growing our, our community, especially like, the, you know, the under, underrepresented part. And the third is like the education and the mentorship. Mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the things that, that really, uh, uh, impresses me all the time is like seeing these people who come just out of out of these boot camps like whether mm -hmm. you know it's like the iron yard or general assembly or like there's so many of them yeah. and they come from like they come out of these coding schools and like just how much they know and how uh just how amazing it is and and it may be too like because you know, maybe because i've been doing this a little bit longer cause you kind of get stuck in your ways of like the ways uh, like the gems you use mm -hmm. and the libraries and stuff and then and like, I always feel like, like that's one of the most amazing things for me is like, or one of the things I really love is like these people, they come in and it's like, Oh, what, what about this gem? And like, and 
it's always like so eye-opening i had no idea like that's mm-hmm. an amazing gym like thank you uh R- rails definitely moves fast and breaks things <laughs> maybe not so much as like the javascript landscape does right now yeah like it's it's constantly learning <laughs> yes um oh so ruby for good is uh officially a 501c3 right it's a non or no it's is it code, code yes for good? yeah so so just like last year finally got the paperwork all went through and started a nonprofit code for good mm-hmm. um which is yeah, five hundred one c three, and, and that has so. more than one thing, right? And so and so like that's kind of the goal now is like we last year we ran a Python for good, okay, and um, that was in Portland, right? Yeah, right. in Portland, and uh, and we're hoping to run one this year, but uh, we'll, we'll see if that like it's it's on the books, but we're having some issues with the the venue, so okay, uh, but but yeah, so like but the, the idea now that we have a five hundred one c three is is to grow and to. Uh, to do more things, start offering some maybe some fellowships for mm-hmm. people to work throughout the year on on and doing like good civic work and yeah, cool. What's what's like the the long term vision for this? Do you, th- you think do you have one? Kind of like I, I guess like ideally, you know how the like Code for America is all about uh, mm-hmm. making government work. Like like <laughs> <laughs> I know it's kind of an oxymoron, especially that we both work for government. Uh, but like, like like that's I think that's actually their mission statement. You know, the Code for America believes government can work, uh, and so like, like I guess like the you know to put in that, those kind of terms, like you know the ideal thing for us would be to be like the Code for America for nonprofits. To you know, because I feel like they're often neglected, and you know, I, and I, like don't get me wrong, I work for government. I know how much help they need, <laughs> but like I recognize that these nonprofits also need a similar amount of help, if not more. Uh, so. With the uh, the variety of because Ruby for Good we we get a whole bunch of different skill levels, um, you know. There's the the people the the very senior level people as you refer to them, and then there's like the very sometimes it's people in boot camp, sometimes that it's people who have no experience at all. <laughs> and they um, actually last year we had a couple graphic designers, which was awesome because they made people's apps look less like an engineer designed them. Yes. <laughs> the base twitter bootstrap right <laughs> thank goodness for bootstrap uh so what's some of the ways you've seen that the mentorship process really kind of facilitates growth in like development specifically oh no definitely yeah um obviously like the pair programming like mm-hmm. just and like we like we always try and like ask all the teams or the team leads to ask their teams to pair as much as they can because it's you know like one it's a great way to like to share knowledge and, and it's also just a great way just to share like you know do, domain knowledge and just get mm-hmm. people uh, like up to speed quickly and uh, a good understanding but like like you see people too though like like leaving the event and and like carrying on like these these mentoring like relationships like the uh, like I know an, an awesome young lady she left last year uh, kept kept at it with a mentor she found at the event and she mm-hmm. got her first dev dev job and oh, she, awesome. she emailed me afterwards how like she said she credited ruby for good but you know i don't think like she deserves all the credit like you know she would she's amazing she'd get it you know regardless if she did mm-hmm. she came or not but uh cool but yeah like I, I feel like there's a lot of those kind of fun success stories yeah um, what's been difficult about conference organizing i i've never organized a conference i have no even i've seen some of, i've seen some of how the sausage is made <laughs> but i haven't made the sausage so <laughs> without bad mouthing any of the venues <laughs> Yeah, well, I, you know, like, 
like there's a lot of great things like like the, I, I don't know if there's bad things like there's there's some stressful things mm. you know like when so like like every event every year we you know we sign the or i sign the contract for, for ruby for good and as soon as i sign that contract i'm personally on the hook for you know twenty thirty thousand dollars and that's always pretty stressful um like well, especially <laughs> the why well, right especially the first year because you know are we is anyone even going to want to come and yeah like will will we will we sell a single ticket and, <laughs> and you know oh the first year right like yeah, the, very, the yeah. very first year you know it's the the first thing like is anyone going to be interested in this kind of thing like mm-hmm. uh, right and that's also why we like we had the talks and stuff mm-hmm. but you know like well what are we gonna do if no one wants to come and because you know i've signed that contract and i'm responsible for all this money <laughs> and uh so like it's it's kind of stressful some yeah. of that yeah. How do you, it's just, it's a lot of like cat herding. I, I mean, what's, what's the, uh, the attendance this year? Cause you sold out all the tickets, right? And it's 86. Uh, about, total? about 80 and then like four organizer okay. spots. So we have about 85 people. Okay. Uh, so, and like, and we're, we're a different kind of, like, you know, most conferences, you know, they have speakers in and mm-hmm. you have to find speakers. Like, like we're a little bit different and like, whereas we, like as you know we have we, we work on projects and mm-hmm. so like we don't just uh, like, like other conferences too like hackathons where they just kind of come in and they work on something mm-hmm. but like we know the projects we're going to work on and we, yeah. we we found them ahead of time so we and then we put the like we'll pick team leads to to you know be in charge of a project and mm-hmm. so and we you know as you know we put the team leads in touch with the project and then you know we have a, a whole kind of like a a whole schedule that the, that the teams follow where you know they contact the, mm-hmm. the stakeholder x number of times like leading up to the the event and and how they you know after the event they have six weeks to deploy the project mm-hmm. um and so like obviously that comes with different challenges than a regular conference because you need like the first year we obviously we had the challenge of you know like we're talking to nonprofits and we're saying like hey what, what can we build you we'd love to help you yeah and like well why do you want to help us and like like there, there's you know <laughs> like what do you get out of it <laughs> right like you know there's no such thing as a free lunch and like there was obviously like some suspicion and you know maybe there's people out there who pray on nonprofits. i don't know mm-hmm. uh like we I, like we were really lucky that first year that i worked for a university and so like i had my university uh you know business cards and so mm-hmm. i'm like oh this and we were holding it at at the george mason university mm-hmm. and so like what we told the nonprofits that first year was that, you know, like, hey, this is what we're doing in, in conjunction with the university. It's giving mm-hmm. back for the university, giving back to the community. And so that, that seemed to, you know, allay a lot of the people's fears and uh, kind of trepidations and how we were able to, you know, kind of convince the nonprofits that first year to, yeah. uh, to work with us and think we weren't a scam. So I remember the, pro- the projects we had the first year, one of them, I remember Craig worked on, and that was like writing documentation for a library or something. And then there was the one that I worked on, which was... Katoa. <laughs> yeah, Katoa was writing tests for the app, which didn't have any tests. And then one of the other ones was... Um, but, I know one of them yeah. was that, that CRUD app from that first year, the uh, the one where the, the telephone that rang all the time. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Oh, and then the, the B, the B colony collapse disorder yeah. thing. So how how does the... So since then... How do organizations find out about you and, and how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so right, like that, that's kind of the nice thing. Like, you know, the first year it was kind of like just cold calling or, you know, like face, posting on Facebook or Twitter, like, hey, where do you work or like, where do you volunteer? Or, you know, do you think anyone would need our help? Um, but like, it's really changed that like now that we're, you know, we're more established and like, so like this year, almost all our projects are, you know, uh, nonprofits that have contacted us and they've heard of us and, 
And like this is, you know, just this year and last year, the first two years where, you know, we had so many uh, organizations contacting us that we, we've had to turn quite a few down that we just mm -hmm. didn't have capacity, uh, which is also why, you know, it's nice that we formed this, uh, the, created the 501c3 that we can turn this into like year round work mm -hmm. that maybe some of the ones that weren't able to uh, help during the event that we can now help um, you know, maybe start projects during the year or start teams like throughout the year and work on yeah. some of them. So if, let's say that's someone who is interested in contributing to a nonprofit project, either for Ruby for Good or for someone else, how how would they go about doing that? So, well, obviously, like, like the easiest, you know, if you're a developer, the easiest is to, like, you know, jump into the Ruby for Good mm -hmm. uh, organization on GitHub. We'll yeah. look for open issues and grab yeah. one and work on it. Uh, if you want to spend a little bit more time, a little bit more work, you know, if there's somewhere you already volunteer, you know, if you already volunteer at a food bank or, you know, shelter or someplace, you know, animal shelter or whatever, you know, just, or if there's one that interests you, go go there and just spend a few hours, like just seeing their processes, see how they work. Mm -hmm. And I imagine as a developer, you're probably going to see a lot of things that, oh, hey, I can fix that. Well, I can fix that. <laughs> well, really, like, kind of like, yeah. like I said, like the, the yeah. like the telephone ringing, like, you are going to see things like that and just, you know, you just Even have if you're to, not a developer. You well, exactly. Like right. Because, yeah. and, and I, it does require a certain amount of, of like patience and empathy because a lot of the people working at these nonprofits that we work with are, you know, they're sometimes they're a little bit older. They're not so technical, technically savvy. And mm -hmm. so it just requires a little bit of, you know, patience and, yeah. and, and, you know, you know, not assuming that they're, uh, have ill intent. <laughs> So what, how does, what makes a successful project? I mean, this is the fifth year, so there's been four years of rounds of projects. The, the one that the, the diaper bank one is in the third year now. Yeah. Um, but what, what about the other ones? What makes, what makes something a success? Well, so like one of the, probably the biggest thing is, you know, good stakeholder involvement. Mm -hmm. Like as you, as you've seen on, on your diaper project that having, you know, like Rachel or I guess now Megan this year, like mm -hmm. having some stakeholders there is going to is going to make such a huge difference because like because otherwise like you you know you get working you you know like you you'll hit roadblocks you'll you know you come to forks in the road and mm -hmm. like oh did they want this or did they want that or you know and if you have to sit and wait for four hours and if you have a team of 10 people that's just you know that's 40 hours of people's time you've just waited <laughs> wasted and so uh, <laughs> uh yeah so like stakeholder involvement really is is, is the big one mm -hmm. and um and obviously having like amazing team leads like yourself <laughs> So, and, and some of the other things that really make a difference, I feel, is having a, a good balance on the team. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it might, might seem counterintuitive that you don't want all seniors on the team. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I, we found if you have a nice balance on the team, like a good, good mix of juniors, middle, and seniors, mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be the best, uh, has the best outcomes. Uh, I, maybe just because once you have a lot of really senior folks, they all... They get too caught up in they have uh, a lot of opinions, right? They they have a lot of opinions, <laughs> and and uh, and maybe the like the, the their opinions are more important <laughs> than than doing the good work, right? And so right, so one of the things, like I said, we we found is having a nice mix of uh, skill levels like really makes mm -hmm. a, a huge difference. So, um, what's something that you can tell to someone who is like a newer developer or maybe they're not a newer developer but they're you know in the marketplace for a job or something how do you go from qualifying for food stamps and working 60 to 100 hours a week as a salary exempt position perhaps 
to being better than that, <laughs> to doing better. <laughs> you know, I don't know, like, because again, like, I, I feel really, really fortunate that I got into development when I did, like, before, you know, like, all the boot camps and, mm-hmm. like, like, like when, when I was getting in, like, back in, you know, 2010, 2011, uh, you pretty much just had to say I'm interested in developing, and you could find a job. Mm-hmm. But now there's there's so many of these, you know, the the Iron Yards, the General Assembly, the mm-hmm. Flatiron School, like all these people going through these programs where it's so difficult now to uh, like distinguish yourself from all the other mm-hmm. candidates. And like, so you have all these amazing people, and 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 I don't know if there's if there's you know a glut of juniors right now, but uh, like like one of the things like I always tell people is just. You know, I, I know this is maybe it's, it's a privilege thing too, because not everyone has the amount of time. But like I was, you know, getting involved in open source is a really good way to, uh, you know, to get, get your foot in the door mm-hmm. into to like you know, it's a good way to network. Uh, it's a good way when you're interviewing as well, because whether we like it or not, like GitHub kind of is our resume. Mm-hmm. And you know, I know people say like, <laughs> the LinkedIn. Well, but like, well, yeah, but like, you know, like, because people do want to see your GitHub when you apply, like mm-hmm. when you're when you're a junior, because they want to see stuff you've worked on. You know, like regardless of if the code is good or bad, mm-hmm. like, like I know, like when I've interviewed people, like I want to, like I, I just want to see some some code they've written, like, and I, I don't care if it's good code or bad code, but mm-hmm. I just want to like see how they think, and then I want to like talk about them and like how they work through their their problems, how they, you know, they they thought about things, like well, why do you use this this gem versus that gem, and. Or, you know, like, like whatever, whatever they did, because, you know, you can get a better sense of, of people rather than like, oh, you know, go code me Fizzbuzz or the Fibonacci or, or you know, like th- these things that are like that everyone does. And like, you know, you get a, a better sense by seeing something that someone's actually yeah uh, done. And like, that's why I think like, go contribute to like Ruby for Good or like, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't have to be Ruby for Good, but obviously I'm a little biased, but, <laughs> but go contribute to one of these projects and like open source and because you know, like there are issues in there that are from you know beginner friendly to mm-hmm. you know, really senior, and then like you have these things on on your resume that you can point to, and and, and like the other kind of benefit to that is is you have like like these amazing people. So like if you submit a, a pull request to like your diaper project, mm-hmm. you're going to give them feedback, and you're going to like mm-hmm. make their pull request better and make their code Hopefully. better. Hopefully, <laughs> okay. Well, that's why I'm saying you yeah. and not me, right? <laughs> <laughs> so like, like you're you're gonna make their code better and stuff. So then when it does get merged in and and then they they apply for the job, they can you know they can point to this thing that was merged in and and you know hopefully it's better code than mm-hmm. they would have written on their own or thoughtful code. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know because you probably have a better sense of the uh, the project than they do. Mm-hmm. So what's what's the like if uh, so let's say that someone they finally find an interview somewhere and what's the sorts of things that are important like when you're interviewing something someone. What things are you looking for? So, because you've been in a management role more than once, now, right, 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 and like and I'm, I'm trying to get out of it now. Right, want uh, <laughs> code, but no, uh, like really, no, I, good. I, I just, I, you know, personally, I, I look for, uh, like I said, I, I look for how people think, like how mm-hmm. they they approach problems, and and how open they are to uh, to, to learning, and so so obviously, like if if I'm gonna pair program with someone in an interview, like I like to pair with people. Uh, on things I I just you know like I think the most important thing and the thing that can leave the best impression with me mm-hmm. is just talk a lot like yeah like talk constantly and like maybe that's bad for some people but <laughs> like just let me know what you're thinking and like because like people I think people so, are people and people are good and they want to help you and so like if you're kind of like working through something and you're talking 
I'm, you know, because I'm a human, I'm going to want to help yeah. you. I'm going to give give you hints. I'm going to tell you, like, oh, well, I, yeah, like maybe you want to use this method or something. So not specifically talking, but specifically like uh, sharing your thought process. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like just right. Like, like like how you're thinking. If you're talking, and you're not sharing your thought process. It's not helping. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, don't talk about your grocery list or like right. what you're going to cook for dinner. But right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. So you've mentioned pair programming a couple, pair programming a couple times. Can you share with our audience a little bit about what pair programming is and maybe a tiny bit of how you do it, but more so like how it's beneficial. Sure. Uh, so right. Like it kind of, so pair programming is basically it's two people uh, working together on, on the same problem. Mm -hmm. And, and obviously like there's different ways of doing it. Like uh, the, there's the ping pong where one person, uh, um, uh, you know, you'll write a failing test and mm -hmm. then I'll write the, the code to make that test pass. Okay. Or there's like driver navigator, where you know you're the driver and I'm the navigator, and so uh, I just tell you what to do. Mm -hmm. No thoughts come from your head, and mm -hmm. you just you just do all the work that I tell you to do. Okay. Um, and I think there's I think there's one other method of pair programming. Those are the two that are jumping out to me right now. Okay. But but the the benefits of pair programming, two two minds are better than one, and it's it's sharing of knowledge, and so it's a great way to level people up really quickly, mm -hmm. and you just to to teach people and. And to level people up on, on the code you're working on, mm -hmm. because if, if if you're unfamiliar with something and I have a lot of domain knowledge, you know, I'm, we're working together on it and I can I can walk you through things. And so so then now there's two of us with a lot of knowledge on this code mm -hmm. and this code base and, and how it works. And so, yeah, it's a great way to onboard people. It's a great way to you know to help newbies. Yeah. Well, to help anyone. Like I, I, I'm always really surprised when I find people who don't like pair programming because <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Don't look at my crappy code. <laughs> <laughs> I've long, long since accepted I've got really crappy code. <laughs> I think it's all the questions I have. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, like either Ruby for Good or like life as a developer or anything else? Oh, let me think for a second. You parting, parting wisdom to share. Parting wisdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wrong place if you're looking for wisdom. Um, I think it's at the bottom of this glass. Yeah. No, like so. I um, I, I really think that uh, you know finding a mentor is is a good thing, mm -hmm. and coming to it. And I guess we keep talking about Ruby good, but I I would you know talking going back to the junior thing. Like I would suggest going to a lot of events, going to things. Like like a mentor is really going to help you. And, you know, the mentor doesn't have to be uh, even better than you, mm -hmm. uh, like skill-wise. Uh, just even, just someone that you can, uh, you know, Go help you. Challenge you. Yeah, like challenge you, advise you, um, just who, someone who thinks differently than you. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting. Like we had a mentorship program that we used to run out of our meetup group that uh, we, we don't do anymore just like for, for time constraints. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we like to start it back up. But, you know, like we even had people who who would mentor people in things like we had someone who used to run her own business and she did a lot of marketing. And so she was mentoring like a really senior developer in things like MailChimp and, oh, okay. and, and mailing lists and like marketing stuff. Like, cause he was, he was starting his own product and things like yeah. that. And so like, so like a lot of people like, when I think they get into mentoring and think like, well, what can I offer this person? This, yeah. you know, the, the senior lady or the senior, the senior guy that, you know, who would mentor me. But, like I, I think a lot of people have a lot of skills that they can offer too that are like it's a really good point and so like uh 
you know, maybe you're a home brewer and you can teach that person how to brew or something. Or, yeah, I, I guess they, whatever. Like it's uh, it's is easy to assume when someone is skilled at something that we value to assume that that person is skilled in all the things. Right. Where they are probably most likely just really super specialized in that one thing that we think is like super challenging or awesome. Right. Recognizing that you might have skills in certain areas that perhaps they don't. And yeah. Right. Well, and, and you know, like going back to my uh, my first job, I was working with, with Jim Gay, who's like super senior Ruby developer, you know, written a bunch of Ruby books and, mm -hmm. you know, maintainer of all these big Ruby projects and stuff. And uh, we were we were working on something. And there was other senior developers too. Like I was the, the junior on this project. And we got to a point where we were going to be doing some uh, like web scraping. He's like Nokaguri and Mechanize and stuff. Okay. But it was funny, like I had done a lot of Nokia Green Mechanized before because I had been doing some some side work for some economists, like doing data scraping and stuff, mm -hmm. like building some data sets for them. And so I, I had a lot of experience. And so it was really interesting when it came time to this, we got to this this uh, web scraping project or thing, got assigned to us. And then like I had these, you know, Jim and this other senior developer, like, okay, like, hey, how should, like asking me, well, what should we do and how should we approach this? And, mm -hmm. and like for me, it was, it was really, really strange. Like, why is Jim asking me my opinion? Like, <laughs> that, that's Jim Gay. Like, you know, it's Jim Gay. He should know everything. Well, exactly. He knows everything. And so like, it was really humbling, like just thinking, because like our, like, like no one knows, like you're saying, like no one knows everything. And like, because yeah. there's so much to know. And. And like I feel like we're increasingly like kind of like even like specialists even even within like like whatever language we use like mm -hmm. parts of it like you're a specialist maybe in this gem or this library like for me like that was really like an eye-opening thing that you know I had this super senior developer asking me what to do and mm -hmm. it's, it's me like <laughs> it's like wow you're you're in for some trouble but uh, there's a talk that uh, uh, Jim and I watched last night called um, sometimes a controller is just a controller. It's from RailsConf 2015 by Justin Searles, S-E-A-R-L-S. It's really great. It, it applies to more than just Ruby developers. It's about coding in general, and he discusses a lot about what makes good code. Um, a spoiler alert, clever code is not good code. <laughs> but it's, it's like, a, I think it's like 45 minutes long or something. It's a great talk. I highly recommend watching it. I'll put it in the show notes. Sean, what makes good code for you? I understandable. Understandable. Yeah, like I, I know we talked about this earlier, but I, you know, when people try and get clever or people, you know, like good, good easy to understand names and just simple, mm -hmm. you know, like don't try and be clever or show how smart you are. <laughs> like, well, really, because you know, you, you like again, like maybe because I, I work with so much open source that. I, I want it to be easy for new people to come in and different, mm. like regardless of their skill level, like, you know, you don't want that to be a barrier to people contributing. You mean programming isn't to come to show how awesome I am? <laughs> yeah, for some people. <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Sean. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. And also just thank you for everything, like for Ruby for Good and for hey, no, uh, mentoring you. me and um, <laughs> for all the opportunities. It's been awesome. No, thank um, you. Uh, thanks a lot for joining us, listeners. This is uh, Drunken UX Build Process. Thanks for joining us, and keep your, what is it Michael says, keep your beers close and your whiskeys, or personas closer. <laughs> <laughs> Have another beer. Yeah.